Good morning and welcome to Heart Standard Morning Briefing. My name is Joe Sked, editor of Heart Standard. I'm joined by my colleague James Kearney as we look back on Heart of Midlothian's 1-0 win over Kilmarnock in the Scottish Premiership on Saturday, a result that lifted Hearts up into, up into third place. It was the fourth consecutive league win, the first time Hearts have put that many uh, league wins together since the start of the, I think it was a 2018-2019 season, and it means four league away wins, eclipsing last season's total of three. So a very, very positive match on Saturday, or certainly result. We I've kind of separated this James into six co- uh, six talking points, but there may be more, there may be less. We'll see how we go. Yeah, uh, we go. But you, yeah, uh, spent yesterday watch rewatching the game. You've got an analysis piece going up this afternoon or later this morning on Hearts standard to kind of di- dissect how Hearts won and the kind of the positives. On your watch back, was there anything that really stood out? Um, honestly, to be honest, the, the, the thing that probably stood out the most watching it back was that Danny Armstrong's a very good player and he was causing all sorts <laughs> <Yeah>. of problems. <laughs> that was definitely one of the things that kind of jumped out at me. Um, I thought, Watching it back, I mean, you notice that basically everything that Kelly did that was positive went through him. Um, I just think he's a very good player, a big fan. Um, yep. he, he was causing all sorts of trouble, even though I think Alex Cochran had a good game, and obviously he was directly up against Cochran. There were still a few times when he just had the beating of uh, Cochran and was able to find some space out wide. But as I'm sure we'll go on to talk about, I think that that was actually quite a deliberate ploy from Hearts to... Mm-hmm. Um, to leave basically Cochrane up against Armstrong 1v1 to have space in behind Cochrane that Armstrong can attack but with the understanding that okay so there might be some crosses coming in but when they do come in we're going to make sure we defend those rather than try to prevent the cross in the first instance um, yeah. so again we can maybe um, I'm, I'm sure we'll sort of dig into the detail of it but I, I, again it became clear to me watching it back a second time that there, there seemed to be a, a a concerted effort from Hearts to allow Armstrong to mm-hmm. kind of get the ball on drive and then get balls in the box, knowing that the back three of um, Kai Rolls, Frankie Kent, and um, what's his face? Stephen um, Kingsley. Stephen Kingsley, thank you. Apologies to Stephen Kingsley. Um, yeah, knowing that the, those three were going to be solid enough within their structure, they weren't going to get drawn towards the ball or anything like that. So that when the balls did come in, Basically, there was three guys attacking one ball in. So whether they went short, middle, or far post, there was always somebody there to defend against it. So, yeah, I mean, when you look back, when I was watching it back, yes, there are spells where Hearts are under pressure for decent chunks of the game. Kelly were bombarding the box, as they want to do. We know that. But I think all in all, Hearts actually stood up to the pressure pretty well. I mean, I remember watching the game on Saturday with you being there. And watching the first, I don't know, maybe half hour or so and thinking, Hearts are in trouble here. You know, Kelly, Kelly are seeing a lot of the ball. They're getting in dangerous areas. Um, this isn't great. Mm-hmm. But actually, in the second time watching it, I didn't think there was too many clear-cut chances for Kelly. I mean, there was one early, quite early on in the first half when Armstrong had the ball. Um, you know, he kind of bombed past Cochrane out. Um, no, sorry, it's George Grant. He bombed past George yeah. Grant on the right. And then put a low cut back in towards David Watson, who kind of just clipped out wide of the far post and you think probably should have been a goal, realistically. But after that, I mean, there weren't too many heart and mouth moments. I think actually Hearts did a pretty decent job of soaking up the pressure. 
Uh, obviously, with Hearts' goal, there was a touch of fortune about it. We can't deny that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even up until that point, I mean, Liam Boyce had a few decent chances before he had to come off injured. Um, and then, kind of, as the second half wore on, and there's actually a wee flurry of chances towards the end, kind of approaching the 90th minute mark, where Hearts easily could have doubled their advantage, and then it's, all of a sudden it becomes very comfortable. So, yeah, again, it's one of those matches where it was, it was cagey. It was uh, it was a difficult game, but I think actually Hearts managed it really well, both in terms of the conditions and that it was so, such a cold game. We know what the pitch is like. We know it wasn't an easy game. It's quite battling, quite um, stop-start, quite <laughs> all that kind of stuff, a little bit chaotic. But I think in the end, it has to be seen as three really well-earned points for Hearts. I'm, I'm sure Kelly fans will be frustrated. I'm sure Kelly fans will say, oh, we probably should have got something more from the game. Maybe there's some truth to that. But... I do think that ultimately this was a, just a really professional performance from Hearts, where they had to play a little differently to what they've been yeah. doing recently. So, so yeah, so I think that's 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 a big thing. Like the, we'll come on to talk about Danny Armstrong, uh, kind of how uh, I think both of us would like to see him in a heart stop. But we'll come on to talk about that. But the the, the Hearts tactics, I think that's probably the first thing to dig mm. into because the this was a game very different to one that Hearts have played at all this season in terms of against a team that's not Celtic or Rangers. It's the first time they've not had the majority share of possession. It's the uh, second fewest number of passes they made in a game behind the game against Rangers at Ibrox. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a completely different performance that Hearts fans have seen. I think there's been question marks this season. Like, can can Hearts withstand the battle? Can they do like the bread and butter of... Uh, Scottish football dealing with the physical side of things and they really did and the I wish you could bring it up here but the when I looked at stats bomb yesterday who we are, have a partnership with the, a lot of football clubs use them for kind of their um their their, their data then they had the kind of had the heat map and mm. it was just how stark how um how much of hearts pressure their defensive pressure was on the edge of their own box and that kind of tallied with you do look at the stats and you've seen that the three centre-backs made more clearances than the entire Kilmarnock team altogether, as you you note in your piece. And I, look, I looked at the stats yesterday in terms of the headed uh, the aerial dominance. Mm. Well, Frankie Kent was excellent. Stephen Kingsley was excellent. But the, the big one that stood out for me was Kai Rose. He had a 71% success rate in there. That's the first time this season in the league he has won more than 70% of his duels, maybe more than 65% of his duels. So the, the the three of them stood up, and it did seem like a, like you said, a um, conscious decision to allow Kilmarnock to go down the flanks, where you're. it's almost like you, you kind of don't want them to put crosses into the box. But Hearts were like, actually, like you said, we're happy for you to put crosses into the box and then we'll deal with them, which uh, which you did over the over the course of well ninety plus minutes. No, exactly. I mean, that that was it. I mean, um certainly <clears throat> like Kelly's build up play it did occasionally go down the left. Um but it was never it was rarely just the a view to get the ball in from the left. It was normally go down the left and then be a big switch ball out to the Armstrong on the right mm-hmm. and then get Armstrong to hit the ball into the box. So like there was a little bit of variation in the styles of attack and the styles of build-up. I mean, one thing that Hearts really didn't like, for instance, is whenever um, Lewis Mayo or Stuart Finlay, who were the two kind of wide centre-backs for Kelly, if, you know, a lot of the time they were hitting these big long diagonal balls across the park 
and almost every single one of them came off. You know, whether that was playing out to Brad Lyons or uh, on the left or um, out to Armstrong on the right, but they had a good habit of winning them and getting those balls forward. So the Hearts didn't like those at all. Because you noted that you, you you turned to me uh, during the game and said the game about the Kelly diagonal balls that they just every time they're just looking to, to hit to hit the switch of play. Yeah, well, I mean, in the end, um, obviously this doesn't account for uh, every aerial duel that they had, but I mean, Sibic and Cochrane. Uh, both had four aerial duels in the game, and they only won one. Mm. Um, now the, the the three they lost aren't necessarily diagonal balls, but I'd be willing to bet a good couple of them were because mm. they, they they just couldn't really deal with it at all. Um, but as I say, yeah, so I think there was a bit of a ploy um, from Hart's perspective, just to be like, look, like Armstrong have the ball. There's no point doubling up on him because he might. The chances are he's probably just going to beat you anyway. I think that was maybe the, the logic of it. I think it's just a respect of Armstrong's ability, the fact that he can go, he can cut inside, no bother. He's quite happy to cut inside actually onto his favourite weak uh, left foot. He's happy to burst beyond the outside and then get the ball in. So I think that there's this, there's just a, a kind of calculation made by Stephen Naismith at some point, which went, okay, we're going to keep, you know. Armstrong will get past our man and get balls in the box. So would we rather, you know, are we going to try and just stop them at source and get an extra man out there? Or do we just have the rest of the defence sitting off them and just waiting for that delivery to come in until they can, so they can kind of snuff out at that point? And that's what Hearts did, and they did it really well. You know, like you say, Frankie Kent didn't lose a didn't lose a header all game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolls and Kingsley were both, um, were both had pretty good success rates in those regards. None of the three gave the... Um, were directly dispossessed, so you know nobody was like robbed of the ball, robbed of possession at any point in the game. Um, okay, there's the odd slack pass and things like that, of course, but um, no one was like kind of directly robbed of the ball. So again, I just threw to that kind of there's a real sort of measuredness, I think, to oh, um, mm-hmm. a, real, a real sort of sense of control. Even though Hearts didn't have the ball, even though Hearts had a lot less of the ball than they're used to, there was still. Um, there just was there weren't that many gaps for the takes. Well, and you're right. I mean, if you look at the Hearts' pressure map, it's basically just a big, huge line on the edge of the 18 yard box, and that's where everything was getting done. Yeah. Um, but again, it worked it? because you know Kelly. Yeah, they did have chances. Yeah, they had some balls in the box, and you know, obviously, yeah, things like set pieces from corners and all that kind of thing. Yeah, those were dangerous moments, and theoretically, any one of those can go in. But you know, as we said, Hearts' defensive set piece, record defensive set pieces this season's. Excellent. I mean, they're still, they're still not conceded one. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you're not going to get any any bigger challenges than Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, and especially in a game like that where it's wind trading the ball is loose. It's, people are struggling to get their foot on the ball and control it. It's you know, it's going to go out for corners. It's going to go out for throw-ins. It's going to be in those dangerous areas. And your heart stood up to it really well. So again, I think there's, there's a lot of reasons to feel encouraged. Like you said, it's, it was a different game to the likes of even the recent wins over Livingston, Motherwell, St Johnston, where Hearts boss possession, the, the the opposition just sat deep in their shape and just dared Hearts to break them down. This wasn't that, you mm. know. Like Kelly were um, a lot more aggressive. They were, they were trying to play a lot more, and they were trying to um, kind of force an issue themselves more than any of those other teams were. I don't. I think during their matches. Um, but you know, hearts were excellent. <laughs> Again, that's, I, I, that's the, my main sort of takeaway. Yeah, there was maybe a touch of fortune about the goal, but I do think that even if that goal doesn't go in, hearts probably do end up getting a goal somewhere during that match anyway. I mean, 
I think particularly in Boyce is on the park, Hearts were making some good ones. I mean, I mean, obviously he came off with, after picking up a knock, but he had, uh, I think it was, I think it had three three shots on goal, where it's like at least one of them should have been really should have been at least on the target. Yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think uh, Boyce was at his. Um, he had his shooting boots on the other day, but I think even when Oda came on and then even when Oda moved up there, even later on in the game when Tagawa got there. Are still carried some threat about them, and there were moments when they managed to unpick Kelly. But I think a lot of it came down to the moments when Hearts chose to be brave on the ball. And um, I mean, if you look at, for instance, the opening goal, that all started because Kai Rose gets the ball, and rather than kind of dawdling forward with it and waiting for Kyle Vassell to catch up with him, he just bombs it forward. You know, he takes Vassell out of the game, he starts driving forward, and all of a sudden now Kelly have to worry about what we're going to do with this, you know, six foot two Aussie guy that's charging at us. And so eventually someone gets drawn towards the ball, they're out of position. Uh, someone else starts looking to uh, look at another man, he starts looking at Cochrane out wide, and all of a sudden hearts are in. You know, and again, we, so we saw that with the goal. And uh, we saw it was a great chance in the second half. Uh, one where it was like Sibbix shot on the edge of the box, it got blocked. Again, that all starts from Grant getting the ball, driving forward with the ball at his feet, waiting until he draws the man, then shifting the ball on. Just, you know, clever, measured attack and play. And then we saw it again, right, quite near the death, actually, with Alex Cochrane again. Wins the, wins the ball out left, charges forward, beats Vassell, opens up some space, drives into it, draws the man, shifts the ball on. Once he's drawn the man and, you know, a couple of passes down the road, it's almost a brilliant goal. It actually gets worked back to Cochrane and he's unlucky not to, not to uh, score. So I think looking at those moments, that just reminded me a lot of, um, you know, we, we see, we hear Stephen Naismith a lot of the time speaking about the need for players to be brave on the ball, to take risks. And I think this is exactly the kind of thing he's getting at. You know, it's like we needed to see someone um, you know, on the three occasions when a harsh player, um, you know, decided to try and break the lines, drive forward, cause some disruption, ask some awkward questions. All three of those resulted in an excellent chance and one of them resulted in the only goal of the game. So I think that that, that again was encouraging. The, the, the one thing you'd say is, well, we need to see more of that. Um, you know, because I think Rose and a few there has been a few occasions this season now when he's decided to kind of carry the ball forward, burst forward with it, and almost every time it's resulted in a great chance. So, it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, because he, he did it. Uh, he did it at rugby park and when and earlier on in the season as uh, as well in the league cup. Uh, it was him that. So he did. Him, yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah, very similar idea. Yeah, he just he got the ball and just charged, and again, just it's just. It, it makes things life uncomfortable, you know. Kim Lark didn't didn't really like it whenever any Hearts players did that. So um, yeah, again, I thought that was like again something encouraging, something that we need to see a little bit more of. Um, and again, as I said, because you know Hearts did it three times in that game and could have got three goals out of it. So yeah, more of this, please. You you mentioned uh, Tagawa Tagawa there. Wanted to kind of speak to him because we've, we've spoken about the tactics. Uh, you've spoken about the tactics uh, without the ball. With the ball, we've uh, spoken about the key men like uh, it was uh, Kai Rolls, as um, Stephen Kingsley and and Frankie Kent were the, the key men. The midfield did a good job. I thought Benny had a really understated role as well. But with Tagawa coming off the bench, I think first time in a while the Hearts fans been able to see him. There's been uh, a lot of talk. He's obviously not settled uh, immediately. He's not helped by injuries, getting up to the speed of um, speed of the game. From what I've, what I've heard, he's impressed a lot in training, and it looked to me like he he looked he looked bigger. Um, certainly more more. He seemed more um, 
in tune with the physical side of the game, but also really impressed was how direct he was when he had the ball, but also when he was when he didn't have the ball, he was three or four occasions, if, if I remember correctly, he was wanting to run him behind, where mm. someone had dropped in and he was on the he was on the shoulder of the kind of the shoulder of the last man wanting to play the ball in and on a couple of occasions, if the ball was moved quicker or it was just um, or moved better, he was in on goal and had a great chance. And obviously, had a, a shot that just went past the post towards the end as well. Yeah, exactly. No, so I mean, you know, he had a, I mean, that shot was a really powerful one. It's a good one when he kind of worked on his left. Maybe an argument to say he should have maybe played it back to Shanklin. I think maybe Shanklin was looking for the ball back, but you know, we can't blame the guy again. You know, he's still looking for his first league goal. It's on his favourite foot. So the good mm-hmm. position is more than entitled to have a go, um, but yeah, I, I was um, quite impressed with Tagawa again. Um, it was nice to see him get a decent spell off the bench. So I think he came on about the hour mark, so he got about yeah. half an hour or so, which is a good chunk of the game time. Um, and yeah, I thought that it was like you say, he was direct. He was kind of willing to make those runs, and you could see as well that when he got when he gets going, he's quite quick as well. Like you know, yeah, we said it before. He's not generally fast. Few people are, but. He was um, very quick. I mean, there's one point when Callum Neunhoff was kind of breaking forward with the ball. Neunhoff was going as fast as he could. And Tagawa was still sprinting. From, he started behind him. But he still yeah. managed to get, he finished up ahead of him, you know, because he was, you know, the right time to get on my bike. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was good. Um, like you say, he does offer something different. There's definitely more of a presence to him than someone like, um, for instance, Yotaro Oda, who was playing up there until um, Tagawa came on. And I think that, yeah, he always, you can see he's just more of an actual striker. I'm not convinced about Oda um, up front for Hearts. I think mm. that uh, there's no doubt there's no doubt in his um, his work rate or the fact that he's willing, he's always willing to um, try and win the ball and try and use use the ball well. But I just don't think it gets the most out of him. I just don't know if he's got the right sort of profile to play there. I don't know if he's quite... Um, he's got the presence of, say, someone like Tagawa, for instance. But Most I I'm also Sorry. not sure he's got. The, I'm also not sure he's got the profile or presence to play at right wing back either. From the, uh, from what we saw in the first uh, first opening period. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I think I'm probably with you on that one as well. So yeah, I feel we we've a badge for Oda yeah. at the moment with this shape because I don't know if there's anywhere he naturally squeezes into it to, to mm-hmm. be quite frank. Um, but no, I think Tagawa, okay, is a fairly brief cameo again in the grand scheme of things. But I did think that he certainly showed what he can offer, and especially if. Obviously, we don't know the state of Liam Boyce at the moment. We don't know what his injury is going to be like. Hopefully, it's just it's nothing too serious. But we need we need to find out um, at tomorrow's press conference if if there is a situation where Boyce is out for a couple of weeks, three weeks. If you know, obviously at that time, this time of the season, that could mean five or six games or something like that. You know, um, but I do think that if Boyce were to drop out of the squad for a bit because of an injury, I think Tagawa's maybe starting to show. I think he's shown that. Um, you know, it wouldn't you know wouldn't wouldn't lead to some sort of striker crisis at mm. Hearts. You know, I think there are other guys that can come in and do do not the same role as boys. I mean, they don't they won't have the same sort of build up play or anything like that. But it's just a different. Um, but I I do, I do think that Tiger offers something slightly different to the other strikers that Hearts have got at the moment. And it's just a case of I think he just needs to get that first goal and then you know kind of see what see that hopefully that helps him to really kick on from there. So you and you seen uh, Tony heard Naismith mention it. We asked him about uh, Vargas or after the game, and mm. said Vargas got a, an ankle knock and therefore 
they did it. It wasn't. It wasn't major. They just didn't want to risk them. But they because they had the options that Naismith can afford to just go right take a risk. And I think it'd be the same coming into the next few weeks. Obviously, Lowry won't be able to play on Wednesday, so it's that issue with not having that kind of number ten creative force. If him and Boyce are going to miss out, but then you you, you might think it's you want to go with a midfield which has Benny, Devlin, and then one of Grant or or Newenhoff, and then you've got Tagawan. Shankland up front, and you've got Barry McKay coming back. So there are options. There's there, there, there's depth there, and like I said, there's not going to be this um, this, uh, this 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 kind of uh, striker crisis. Uh, so yeah, it's I think there's there, there's positive options uh, options to come. We'll get to a few of the questions in the comments in just a second, but I want to uh, want to quickly chat about the. Uh, the the decision not to send off Will Dennis and uh, just just quickly because again we don't like to uh, harper on about um, uh, refereeing decisions but it was interesting that Naismith wasn't uh, afterwards Naismith wasn't overly strong on 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 virus said it was uh, worked fine and then McInnes was wasn't having it at mm-hmm. all he said it was quite galling that his keeper had been sent off um, for a check after check that was, for instance, it was offside. I can see where he was coming from. I don't think he was talking about the challenge. I just think it was because of the nature of how these things play out, where the officials let things go to then see how it ends, and then they'll flag. And mm. But this is always a consequence of if you don't flag straight away for like an obvious offside, and I think Odo was an obvious offside, it can lead to situations like this. But because it was an offside, it doesn't take away the fact that it was a horrific challenge and it was a red card challenge, which bizarrely wasn't given. No, exactly. Yeah, like from, from what I gather, um, if plays continue, so say that there's somebody who's clearly offside, but they let the play continue, and then a foul occurs on that player, it's like, okay, if it's something like, for instance, violent conduct, which you could probably argue that was at the weekend, um, yeah, then yeah, you can still get booked for that or sent off. You can still get punished for it, um, even though they get even though the play's offside. If it was, for instance, that Oda was clean through on goal, and then someone had just clipped his heels as he was running clean through, that wouldn't be a foul because that's a denial of goal scoring opportunity. But there is no goal scoring opportunity because it's offside. Yeah. So that that's a distinction. I think, from what I understand, I might be wrong, but that's yeah, so, that so, I think uh, like, understand it. Dennis' challenge was was dangerous play, so that's it's, it's effectively it's, it's in danger of opposition. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if they get the balls in play or not. It's exactly that's, that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah, so if it if it was if it was just a denial of a goal scoring opportunity, which is normally yeah, it'd normally be a red, but it, um, it wouldn't be because it's offside. It, this wasn't that though. It wasn't that. It was you know, I, I'll be honest. At first, and um, in real time, I wasn't really sure what had happened. To be perfectly frank, mm-hmm. I didn't think there was much in it at all. But when you go back and see the replays, you can see Dennis does, you know, Oda's past him and Dennis sticks his leg out behind him, behind himself to try and catch Oda and stick him out. It's not a natural move. Um, yes, it's, it's, yes, it's a bad, just a bad challenge. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. If anyone else in the pitch does that, it's a red card. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I think that's, I think that's as simple, I think that's as, simple as that. Yeah, yeah I don't get much to it, to be honest. We'll move on to some of the before we finish up. We'll move on to some of the uh, some of the comments coming in. Uh, Ross Parker asks, "When is Craig Gordon back? When is Halkett back?" Mm-hmm. As for actual dates, not sure. But Naismith has suggested that the four injured players, so that you can uh, put Atkinson and Mackay into this, will be involved over the next few weeks. Whether it's on the bench, I think 
So Gordon, I think I'm imagining Gordon's dying to get back. Uh, he's, mm. he's been away. He's played a few. Uh, he's played a few games. Halkett, I think Halkett was actually hopeful to be back for the St Johnston game the other week. So he must be very, very close. So yeah, I would imagine we'd see. I think Naismith has been reluctant to put actual dates on it. It's like this, he's going to be back here. Yeah. So I wouldn't be be surprised if you get to a game whether it's Wednesday against Aberdeen on Saturday or Celtic the following Saturday and you see one of these two of these guys in the team or in the 11 as as a surprise so yeah it's uh, unfortunately can't say specifics on that one hmm. um Graham uh, mentions uh that I don't think it's a surprise will look a lot better with a fully fit Benny his composure on the ball as well as his work to win it back is very important like you've you've mentioned to me a couple of things um Mark I'm sure is that you've been really impressed with Bringing me as a player. Yeah, no, I think he's been fantastic. You know, I think that, kind of, as, as Graham's saying there, you know, it's, as he's got back to full fitness and as he's, um, you know, slowly got back to the, um, you know, getting, getting properly match fit, he's looked better and better every week. You know, I think he's really composed on the ball, like unflappable is the word that comes to mind. You know, yeah. it doesn't really matter if he's under a lot of pressure. Um, he's he's pretty um, happy with it. He's also one of these players that in the position that he plays, because he's playing a lot of kind of little last second passes, he picks up his fair share of dunts, you know, he gets clip, little clips in the shins and on the ankles and things like that constantly throughout games, but he doesn't let it get to him, he just keeps on going. Um, yeah, I've been really impressed with him, actually, and I think that there's he's, he's probably got a really interesting role in the squad, and, and just in the fact that I don't think there's anyone else that's really a like-for-like replacement with Beningamy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's anyone else in the start of eleven at the moment you could really say that for. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with Beningamy. Uh, obviously, the season didn't start well with you know, that game he was pitched in against Rosenborg away when he really shouldn't have been. But you know, he's he's gone from strength to strength since, um, and he's starting to look like the player that. Hearts fans know he can be, you know, yep. one that we saw before the injury, who where he was, you know, one of the best number sixes in the league. Yeah, uh, I always find it interesting speaking to speaking to fans of other team or seeing fans of, uh, of other team comment about just how impressed with uh, Benny is, and I think that's uh, that's always a mark of mm. like you've got a good player if the uh, fans of other teams are are, are, are noticing it. Um, Moving on to, can I, answer, can I just answer this one question uh, mm. quickly? Sorry, was it wrong to play Craig Rankin? Asked, was it wrong to play Boyce on the plastic? I don't think it is. Uh, he was hearts are trained on uh, plastic, uh, the plastic pitch all week. Um, I think it was just, I think it was Boyce maybe just being very cautious. And Naismith said he didn't think it was too serious, and he just felt something in his legs. So they don't really know. We'll get a better, like you said, we'll get a better idea tomorrow mm. at the press conference. But I don't think it was wrong to play. Boys on the plastic. I might be wrong, but uh, Hearts trained indoors and outdoors, both on artificial surfaces in the build-up to the game. So, uh, never know. We'll finish up with uh, well, a couple of quick things. You messaged me yesterday, James, when watching the game. We just uh, you mentioned it earlier on, but message just said how impressed you are with Danny Armstrong. And I think just finishing with uh, Danny Armstrong is that. You look at him in the position he plays for Kamarik as often as a kind of right wing back. You just think he would suit Hearts perfectly just because he would give him good balance. You've got Cochrane on the left who's good defensively, um, stretches the play, and then Armstrong who can go outside, inside. 
has a really good crossing ability, open play, does work hard as well, so he gets back. He just 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 looks like a natural fit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, particularly with the Hearts system at the moment, where it is a little bit lopsided, where generally Moore's asked from the right wing back of an attacking sense in the left. I think that's it. You know, obviously that's it. Armstrong down to tee. He is definitely more of an attacker than a defender, naturally. But I was just thinking. I was just watching him. I was just, I was just really, really impressed with him. To be honest, like from mm. over the course of full ninety minutes, you know, he's comfortable on either feet. Um, he's, like I said, he's comfortable going either way. He's happy to take his man on. He's comfortable carrying the ball forward. Um, you know, it's in a in a match where you're struggling to get on the ball, and struggling to get it forward. He's exactly the guy. The guy is going to do that for you. He is going to just take the ball and carry it. Um, and obviously, he's got that end product as well. So I think I, I was just watching it, just thinking. Obviously, Hearts have had their problems at right wing back in recent weeks. Anyway, um, you know, obviously in the last couple of games, I've seen Oda, Sibic, and Alan Forrest all playing there, all with kind of mixed results. Some of them have done okay. Some of them have struggled at times. None of them have really looked like the whole package. And while part of me does think maybe Armstrong's um, a little bit too similar to say Forrest, and maybe a little bit too dissimilar to Sibic, um, I do think that. I mean, you don't play for you don't play right wing back in a Derek McInnes team unless you know how to do a bit of defending. You know, yeah. like you know, he, he drills that into you, and I think that he's solid enough from a defensive perspective. And I think, yeah, from an attacking perspective, he offers so so much. Um, you know, last season, there's an argument to be made that no player was as important to their team as Danny Armstrong was to Kilmarnock. Um, and yeah, I thought yeah, I thought of him in Maroon. Doing a similar sort of thing could be quite enticing one, quite an enticing one. So uh, we'll see what happens in January. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. I, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I, I, I was just watching it back, and that was the main thing that struck me was Hart should definitely sign Danny because <laughs> 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 I, I talked about I talked about Benny being liked by fans of other teams. I think a lot of Hearts fans look. He, Armstrong's the type of player that look at and just go, yeah, he would, he he would be a good mm-hmm. signer, especially he knows the league and stuff. Yeah, but I, I think but, look, whether or not Kelly could be convinced to sell. Especially mid-season, that remains to be seen. Yeah, that, I, I, think, I, think that's, that. I think that's always that always needs to be taken into consideration when fans go, "Oh, we should just uh, sign this boy from," um, we should just uh, sign this boy from Kilmarnock or or um, like Motherwell, who, whoever. It's just it comes with a premium because mm. you're signing them in the league that exactly. you're going to have to pay a wee bit extra. Just that's uh, that is that that's how it works. And he's under contract until 2025 as well, unfortunately. So it's mm. not as if he's out of contract at the end of the summer. We will leave it there. It's uh, done half an hour. And uh, I think we look back on, dug into the details of the game. I think the kind of just to conclude, I think the big thing for me was just the fact that Hearts won ugly. It was, it, mm. was, it was, you, I think you've, uh, on this and also in your piece, you've detailed exactly why Hearts um, won the game, and it was there was it was there was there was thought behind it and there was structure. Like just watching the ninety minutes, we're just like that was a performance which you need in Scottish football. Where you need to dig in and you need to battle and you just need to head clear and block when needed. And I think Hearts have shown that they've got a different side to their game now, and like that's one of the most encouraging aspects of uh, of the game going into a run of fixtures where we're going to have to do a lot of defending because we've got Rangers and Celtic sandwiched between mm-hmm. a trip to Pitodri. So, yeah, it's it's set up for a really encouraging next kind of 10, 11 days. Hearts are in a really, really good position now. I can consider three, four weeks ago when there was a lot of uh, kind of doubt or 
suspicion about this team, but now put himself in really, really good position. And you can look in, look to these games with anticipation rather than kind of apprehensions, uh, apprehension and nervousness. And we will be back tomorrow to talk about the to look forward to the Rangers game once the the, the pressure's out of the way. So yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting next 10, 11 days, and hopefully that's going to be our involve a statement win, whether it's uh, at Celtic, at Hope of Rangers, or finally winning at Pataudry. Any of them would be very welcome. I don't think, yes. I don't think fans would turn their nose off at any of those ones. I think if you said to them, you win one of the next three games, most fans are probably not too upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, obviously, you'd want to, like to win more, but if you were told like, you can win one, draw one, lose one, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't it be that, bad. That's it. <laughs> Exactly, and the fact that they won the last four has put is back into third place. At least it's given the cushion that it's not going to be okay if you go if you struggle in the next three games, two of which against Old Firm, then you're not in uh, in like 10, 11 days' time, you're not going to be massively behind someone in third place. You're still going to be in and about it, and maybe still sitting third, just the nature of the league. So, yeah, very encouraging, and um, we'll leave it there. Be sure to check uh, heartstandard.co.uk for um, for all the latest from the... We're just kind of looking back at the weekend's game. Got a lot of analysis, a lot of um, comment from Lon Shanklin, Stephen Naismith, Dan McInnes as well. James's piece going up at uh, very, very shortly on how Hearts, uh, how Hearts won the game. And there will be plenty in the next couple of days looking ahead to the Rangers game. And like I said, James and I will be back tomorrow to discuss and look ahead to the Rangers game. But until then, have a good day and goodbye.